Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the House of Freedom. Amen. Hallelujah. My name is Lexi. I'm an intern here at Life Family Church, and I just want to welcome everybody this morning. If this is your first time visiting us today, um, there you should have received a welcome packet. If you could just take that out and fill it out, and then when the ushers come around with the offering buckets, if you could just put it in there. Um, also, Tuesday nights, we have Connect Group here, and what we do is we just get together, we fellowship, we have a Bible study, and we eat. So we eat physically and we eat spiritually, amen? I enjoy that. I think my favorite part about Connect Groups is, you know, we have a message on Sunday mornings, but when we come together on Tuesday, I get to hear what other people received out of it, and yeah. that is my yeah. favorite part of That's hearing true. Connect Group. Um, we just get together on that night. I'm Andrea. I have the honor of being a part of the productions team. I wanted to talk to you guys about podcasts. And I was just wondering, in this room here, if you could raise your hand if you already listen to Life Family Church Podcast. Awesome. That's great. And so... If you don't know about it, it's actually right here on your phone. (laughs) It could be online, too, if you don't have a smartphone. But we want to connect you so that you can plug it in your ear, your car, your computer, anywhere that you go. You can take the message from Sunday or from last year, and you can plug in to here. I mean, we get some rich word here. And so I really encourage you to just use that as a tool throughout your week. And so um, there's really easy instructions. If you don't know how to find it, uh, you can find myself or Andrew back here, Um, but it's really simple. Your phone might come with it. You search for Life Family Church, and it's like, that's easy. So I encourage you to get with us after service so that we can um, get you plugged in. Amen. And then we have our emails and connections. That's our bulletin here. If you notice, you didn't get a bulletin when you come in. We do that. Um, We also have lifefamilychurch.net where you can figure out everything that's going on here at the church. And with that being said, thank you guys. Well, you know, I guess we're almost on the verge of June. Man, has time flied. I'm telling you, it seems to be speeding up, going faster and faster. Aren't you glad you're in church today? Yeah, you could be in jail. I mean, my God, help us out. That would be really bad. Or in the hospital with IV stuck in your arm, that'd be a bad, bad thing. But to open your Bibles, if you would, please, to 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to take up this morning's tithes and offerings. But we always like to do a little bit of a teaching and encouraging word. Sometimes it's on giving or not giving, and sometimes it's just the word, you know, because if you just be obedient to the word, then you'll be blessed. Can you say amen? So 2 Kings chapter 4, and you have uh, Elisha the prophet, and you have a very successful woman who had, was in business, but she was barren, and her and her husband, they, they desperately needed a child. And I want to show you something about taking care of the men and women of God and taking care of God's church, what that does for you. Because God's, you know, if God's a conditional God, there's always a cause and effect. Can you say amen? amen. With any situation, there's a cause and effect. And God's conditional. You know, Luke 6.38 says, Give, and it shall be given unto thee, pressed down, shaken together, and running over through the hands of men. 
Now, during the early 90s, late 80s, there was a, a major move of God that was taking place in the United States. You know, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown did the revival in the early 90s in Lakeland. And, of course, in 1995, there was the uh, Brownsville, Pensacola Assembly God outpouring with Steve Hill, and that thing went for five years. And then there was the Smithton outpouring with Steve and Kathy Gray. And then there was the Toronto blessing you know, with John Arnott and all that kind of stuff. And toward the end, as it maybe, I wouldn't say wane kind of thing, but it just wasn't moving as strong, then prosperity preachers began to rise up and preach on prosperity a lot. And there was a lot of, there was some kind of erroneous teaching, or actually, let me say this, they weren't giving the whole counsel of God. They were just giving the impression that if you just gave your finances and you sacrificed everything, then you'd become wealthy. Come on, somebody, can I get a witness? Okay, hello. You know, and that happened also during the healing revival, which was 1949 through 59. And Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen, was a part of that. And so toward the, about the middle of the 90s, toward heading toward 2000, Brother Hagen met with several of the pronounced ministers of the, in the Word of Faith camp kind of thing. And he brought them in and he said, listen, gentlemen, you've got to be real careful that you don't give the impression to the body of Christ that if all they ever do is give, then they're going to become multimillionaires. Come on, can I get a witness? Okay. So the part that they were missing was, we know that Deuteronomy 8.18 says that God gives you the ability to get wealth to establish His covenant. Okay. Wealth is more than just finances, folks. I mean, look at, look at Steve Jobs. I mean, he was a multi-multi-billionaire and he died in his 50s of cancer. So it's not just finances. I mean, what profit a man if he gains all the money and he's got cancer and dies? Come on, hello somebody, okay? So when, when we talk about biblical prosperity, we talk about God's prosperity, are you prosperous in your marriage? Are you prosperous in your health? Are you prosperous in your finances? Are you prosperous with your children? Are you successful in your job? Are you successful in your business? Now, I know this because I've been an, op- an entrepreneur ever since I was 21 years old. I've worked for myself. I've hardly worked for somebody else. I mean, when I was 21 years old, I was actually working for a developer out of New York, and I managed two shopping centers here in Tampa, okay? And then eventually I lost my job to a guy that was more than half, you know, more than my age, 20 years more. And then I started a, a, a janitorial company, and I actually started a window cleaning business. My first business was Clearview Window Cleaning Service. That's it. But here's the deal. I knew enough. To, to dress up in a suit, come on, hello somebody, and I would go to all these accounts. And I remember one district manager said to me, man, if you look good, that good in your suit, I wonder what my windows or my stores are going to look like. You're hired. Come on, hello somebody, amen. So you've got to understand something. Now, it's not that God couldn't bless you with a job. He can bless you with a job. He can bless you with pay raises and promotions. But in most jobs, there is a ceiling that you hit. Come on, hello, somebody. Isn't that right? There's a scene that you hit. And you're going to either have to do, get a second job or get a new job that gives you promotion or start a business. So if we're going to get over into, like, prosperity, like, like you know, our president's very prosperous. I mean, what president in the history ever donated his salary? Come on. Yeah, $400,000 a year, I think, he, you know, he donates that. That's stinking awesome. Praise God. That's just, that's just awesome. And you know, and Donald Trump is born again. He just got his pampers on. Praise God. Amen. That's all. He just got his pampers on. Yeah. So God wants us to be prosperous, especially 
in a world that seems to look on the outward appearance. Amen. God looks on our heart, but God looks on the outward appearance. So when the body of Christ is prosperous and is showing forth that prosperity, and even if there's our highs or lows, we still have our joy. Come on, we still have our peace. Can you say amen? And God wants that. So I want to show you something here in 2 Kings chapter 4, and we're going to pick it up in verse number 6. And it says this, And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where there was a great woman. And when you look at that and you translate this, she was very prosperous. She was very wealthy. A great woman. And she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as often as he passed by the house, he turned thither to eat bread, to have a meal. And she said to her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passeth by us continuously. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. And it shall be that when he comes by to us, he shall turn in thither to rest. And it fell on the day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber, and he lay there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shumanite woman. And when he called her, she stood before him. And he said unto her, as he said, she said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care, and it is done what, what should be done for thee. Wouldest thou be for to see the king or the captain of the host? And she said, I dwell among my own people. And he said, What is it that should be done for you? And Gehazi answered, Verily, she hath no child, and her husband is old. And he said, Call her. And when he had called her, he stood, uh, at the, she stood at the door, and he said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. So I'm going to show you something that was very interesting here. Every time when the man of God came by, first of all, it was a meal. And then every time he came by, she built him a chamber, built him a room. And because this wealthy family was taking care of the man of God in his travels, suddenly the man of God said, hey, what do you want? So they were sowing into the ministry. They were sowing into the church. They were sowing into the pastor. They were sowing into the prophet of God. And suddenly it got God's attention. Amen. Amen. Serving in the church, giving in the church, you know, reading your Bible, praying in the Holy Ghost, you know, serving the, you know, the guest ministers that come here, sowing into them, it will get God's attention. Why? Because God's conditional. So when you take care of the men and women of God, if you perceive that they are a man or woman of God, all of a sudden, man, you kind of hit the mother load. Because it wasn't what you need, it was what you want. Come on now, what do you want? Right? All right, so let's see what happens. And he said about this season, verse uh, 16, And he said about this season, the current time of life, Thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, No, my Lord, thou man of God, do not do that unto thy handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son. So even in her doubt. Why? Because when a man or woman of God speaks by the Holy Ghost, it's going to happen. Hello, somebody. It's going to take place. Amen. Amen. And it may not necessarily be totally your faith that brings it. It may be the man or woman of God that brings it. Hello. But the key that I wanted you to see here was that they were taking care of the house of God. They were taking care of the minister. And when they did that, hello, the blessing of the prophet came on them. The cool thing about the New Testament is this. If you give a prophet 
a cup of cold water in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. Now watch this. This is way cool. In the New Testament, the fivefold ministry, because they teach, watch this, and they preach and they train up and equip the body of Christ, they're subject to double judgment. I'm subject to double judgment in this life because I teach. So, therefore, the anointing that is upon your pastor's life, hello, comes upon your life. Watch this. But you don't get the double judgment. You get the blessing, though. Oh. That's a good deal right there. You, you mean I get the double? I mean, I get doubly I get blessed. And I don't have to have the double, uh, double judgment. Yeah, absolutely. Pray for me. Pray for us. Praise God. Amen. That we don't miss God. Can you say amen? So taking care of God's church, taking care of Jesus. Because, see, we're his body. And when you sow seed and when you're obedient to the word of God to tithe and give of offerings, then people get saved. We're getting ready to take a team of 50 people to the Dominican Republic in the month of June. And we're going to do a huge miracle healing crusade. We're expecting anywhere between 5, 10, 15,000, maybe 20,000 people, maybe more. Praise God. Amen. That time's coming. So when you sow into that, you're sowing into souls, which is actually God's heartbeat. Thank you, Jesus. Your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 14, please. John, chapter 14, and verse 21. We've been on a little bit of a series on increasing the presence of God in your life. If you've been here the last few Sundays, we've been talking about that. How to increase the presence of God in your life. Hallelujah. You know, basically, we're almost like a glass. And because of the taintedness of the world and the things of the world, and sometimes the things of the world get in us, but God's presence displaces the things of the world. It would be like if you had a dirty glass, you know, I mean, a, 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 cup, a, a, a cup of water or a glass of water, and there was mud in it, and if you had clean, clean glass of water and you began to pour into that dirty glass of water, eventually it would displace all the dirt out of it. And that's what the Word of God does for us, and that's what His presence does for us. And in, and in today's society, you have to press. You have to press into God because the world is getting worse. Thank you for those three amens and a grunt. I heard amen, amen, and it is getting worse. You know, um, I have a security agency, and I also have another friend of mine who has a security agency, and he went recently full-time in it, and he texted me, and he said, Hey, Dr. Jack, I just want to say how you doing, how's it going? And he said, uh, how's the business going? He said, I just want to let you know it's really gotten bad out here. And he's not even in church. I mean, I encourage him to go to church, but, you know, but he's not even in church. And he said, I just want to let you know it's gotten really, really bad in here, out here. And I kind of know that. It is. You can tell. Uh, Pastor Marie, she sends her love. She's at Bayshore. We have a, kind of an extension campus on Southdale, Mabry, with about 20, 25 people, depending on when they come or not come. So she says hello. So she did a uh, research thing, and she said that out of the 7 billion people, I think they, this group, Barnett Group or something, they, they, they kind of like interviewed like 5,000 people or something. And out of that, they determined that there's two things with our society, even around the world, that people are dealing with. And one is anger. Anger is an issue. And two, depression. People dealing with depression. No matter what their financial status is, there seems to be a lot of angry people today. <laughs> Praise God. And there's a lot of depressed people. Come on. How much more should the joy of the Lord be our strength? Can you say amen? 
So I want to talk to you about increasing the presence of God in your life. In John 14, 21, it says this, He that hath my commands and keepeth them, it is he that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I love him, and I will manifest myself to him, or I will make myself real to him. So we don't have a problem knowing that God loves us because John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's a great love scripture, but it's also a thou shalt not perish scripture. The real question that's really being asked here is how much do we really love God? And he says this right here. He's Jesus himself speaking. He said, If you love me, you will keep my commands. True or not? I mean, did I? Listen, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just reading the book. Praise God. Amen. All right, this is not my opinion. He says this, right? He that hath my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and I will make myself real to him. So remember, I said to you earlier that God's a conditional God. If you say you love me, I love you, God. Okay? Just don't say it. People aren't what they say. They are what they do. Come on now. People aren't what they say. They are what they do. It's their actions that prove who they are. Come on. Amen. Yeah. So he says, if you love me, then you'll keep my commandments. So here's, here, here, here's the dilemma. When somebody's stubborn or they don't want to keep God's commandments, okay, great. You're prideful. You're stubborn. There you go. At least you're, you're proving that. But here's the cool thing about God. Working your salvation out in fear and trembling means this. You may stumble and you may fall as you're obeying God's commands. Come on, hello, somebody. And just make sure, you know, if you're a righteous man or woman, you may fall seven times, but you always rise again. So which way do you got to fall? Forward. Praise God. Amen. So if you're falling forward, if you're working things out, you're reading your Bible, you're praying, then you're moving in that direction. You're putting down your flesh. You're crucifying your flesh. God is pleased with that. It's the person that says, I don't want you in my life. I don't want you to move in my life. I'm stubborn. I'm going to do what I want to do, however I want to do it, when I want to do it. You don't know me. Really? Well, I think the Word of God says we've been bought with a price. We are no longer our own. It was purchased with the blood of Jesus. So I guess the moment we decide that we can make a better decision for our lives than God is the moment we just stole from Him. Hmm. Isn't that right? If we've been bought with a price. Now, I don't, I, I don't understand some things why people don't serve God. I love God with all my heart. Do I make mistakes? Absolutely. But it seems to me that his blessing overtakes me within my imperfection. That's the most amazing thing. And I think sometimes what happens is when we make a mistake, we feel bad. We feel really, really bad, and we don't kind of run to our daddy. Why is that? Because he's holy. Amen. And we think maybe sometimes he's going to judge us or whatever our religious background is. He's got a sledgehammer. Every time we mess up, he's hitting us over the head. That is not our Father in heaven. I'm just going to tell you right now. That's not, that's, not, that's not God. So we have to learn about God. We've got to know about our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father is with open arms. Our Heavenly Father is like in the book of Luke chapter 15 where the prodigal son who left his father's house. Come on, hello somebody. The Bible says he went and got his inheritance. He spit on to riotous living. But after he spent all of his money, hello, he was still prideful. He didn't want to go home, so he decided I need some husk out of the pig pen. Isn't that right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden the Bible says he came to himself. And he said, are not my hired servants 
Yeah, eat more, better more than I am. I'll just go home and I'll just become a hired servant. But the Bible says when the father looked out the window, when the father looked out the door, he saw his son coming down the road. He turned to the oldest son. He said, listen, bring me the best robe. Bring me the best ring. Go kill fat of the calf. We're going to have a party. Come on, somebody. So that's your heavenly father. He's, he's not up there slamming people and, sh- and shaming people and things like that. There is one that does that. But it's not God Almighty. Come on, hello, somebody. Yeah. You know, many, many, many years ago, when when I first started out in the ministry, you know, I thought it was my responsibility to be the Holy Ghost in a service. Cause conviction in people's lives by getting in their face. And, And then after one particular service, the Lord said to me, what are you doing? I said, I'm preaching your word. That's a fire, brimstone, turn or burn. <laughs> He's like, what are you doing? You know, people, they don't, they don't want to come to your meetings anymore because it's just turn or burn. You're going to burn, going to burn, going to No. He said, listen, my job is to convict. Your job is just to preach the word. Boy, straight and set me straight. Hello. Let the word of God be our judge. Not humanity, not human beings. Only God can judge the one's heart. Hello, can you say amen? Let God be our judge and everybody a liar. Praise God. God's my judge. Amen. And, or let the word of God. Come on, hello, somebody. Now, it's not that we're not supposed to encourage people to live pure and holy and things like that. We're, we're to encourage people to live pure and holy. Because God said himself he was holy. Hello, and so we should live pure and holy. But here's the deal. Everybody's at a different level spiritually. As long as you're working your salvation out in fear and trembling, there's grace and there's mercy for you to do it. Can you say amen? Amen. Hello, we don't need to tell somebody, but you're this and you're that and you're this and you're that and all that kind of stuff. All that in a bag of chips. Praise God. Amen. With a Coca-Cola on the side. No, just preach the word. Let the word do the work. Let the Holy Ghost do it. And he's going to do it with love. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. We're not in the place of judgment. Hello, there's only one just judge. And that's God Almighty. And if you look in, the, in the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you can see how Jesus judged. There was one time there was a woman that was caught in the very act of adultery brought before him. Come on, hello, somebody. Amen. And all of a sudden, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the wooden bees and the could bees and all the wannabes were saying, what are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about this? The Bible says, the law of Moses says, the law of Moses said, if someone's caught in the act of adultery, they'll be stoned to death, stoned to death. What you going to do, Jesus? What you going to do about it? What did he, he just looked at him. What did he do? He knelt down. Started writing in the dirt, didn't he? Yo, 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 Messiah. What you going to do about it? So he stands up after writing in the dirt with his finger, and he said, He who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. All the rock holders. Attending the rock concert, began to drop the rocks. The oldest to the youngest. And here's something very interesting. Could not have Jesus cast the first stone? Absolutely, because he was sinless. But what did he say? Where are your accusers? There's none, Lord. Now watch what the Lord. Neither do I accuse you. Go sin no more. Hello? Is that not the ultimate love? Yeah, so if we love God, we're going to keep His commandments even within our humanity, in our imperfect humanity. We're going to move toward God. Can you say amen? Yeah.
In 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, the second part of the verse, it says this, For this purpose the Son of Man was manifested, that he may destroy the works of the devil. There is a God of this world who is out to kill, steal, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life, and I've come to give it to you more abundantly. That's amazing. Life abundantly. What does that mean? That means a good life. That means a joyful life. That means a prosperous life. That means a healthy life. That means a wealthy life. I've come to give you the kingdom because I said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So indicating we can have a little bit of the kingdom here on the earth. I think that's good news. Come on now, this is the only hell we'll ever experience right here and right now. Did you know that? This is the only hell. This life you're living right now is the only hell you'll ever experience. But for others, this is the only heaven. Oh, oh, mercy sakes. Amen. And there is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. Can you say amen? Yeah. So let God reign and rule in our lives. Be obedient to him. There are three things that God wants to do with a person by the time they are born and by the time they die. The first thing that God desires is for everyone to have an opportunity to meet his son, Jesus. Come on, hello, somebody. He wants to manifest Jesus. How many remember when you were first born again? Can I see your hand? Okay. Maybe you in a revival service, church service. Maybe you're watching Billy Graham on the television. But somehow, someway, or a friend or a relative, they share Jesus Christ with you. You saw the truth. You heard the truth. You opened the door of your heart. Come on, hello, somebody. And you asked Jesus to come into your life, and you became born again. Amen. Your spirit, man, the real you, became born again. Let me make a powerful statement here. God saves your spirit. You save your soul. You are a triune being. You are spirit. Soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a body. God saves your spirit, man. You save your soul. Romans 12, 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our minds are renewed two ways every day. We are either renewing our minds to the world, or we're renewing our minds to the word. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is quick and powerful and is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the dividing of soul and spirit. Soul, your mind and emotions, and spirit. The word of God discerns between your soul and your spirit, man. The spirit man is the real you. When you die physically in this earth, your body goes six feet under, but the real you comes out. It looks just like you. That's the real you. This is your house. 1 Corinthians 3.16 is not your body the temple of the Holy Ghost and God there dwells in. So this is your house that keeps you in this realm. We operate in two realms. We operate in the natural realm and we operate in the unseen realm, the supernatural realm. And God has given each and every one of us tools to operate in that realm. This is your tent that keeps you in this natural realm. The tent, the house. Listen, when a house gets plumbing problems, it's really bad. I'm just going to tell you right now. When the electrical system goes out, the power goes out in your house. Hello, it's really bad. 
When the toilets get plugged up, praise God, amen, it's really, really bad. I'm talking about the natural house, praise God, amen, natural house, I'm talking about this house, right? <laughs> amen. Oh, well, this house could get plugged up too, praise God, that's the reason why you need a spiritual enema. Praise God, amen, just get it cleaned out and you'll be really good. And that's what the Word of God does, it's the spiritual enema in our life. It's okay to smile in this Presbyterian church, okay? We're all right here, praise God. Hallelujah. Thank God for the Word of God. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God we can have both. Because if all we ever had was the Word, the Word, the Word, the Word, the Word, we'd dry up. But if all we had was the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit, we'd flake up. So therefore, we have to have the Word and the Spirit together so we can all grow up. Can you say amen? And God wants us to bear fruit, not be fruity. There's enough fruit loops out there. Praise God. Amen. We don't want to be fruity. Weird, weird. Let me make this. Jesus wasn't weird. <laughs> hey, glory. Jesus wasn't weird. He was a peculiar person, but he wasn't weird. Big difference between being peculiar and weird. So the first thing that God wants to do is he wants to come and make Jesus real to all of us. He wants to make Jesus real. See, we live in a society today that people think there's more than one way to God. But John 14, 6 says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one could come to the Father but by Him. And people say, well, that's just not fair. Him, God, you human. Therefore, figure it out. Praise God. Amen. He's God. You're human. Creator, creation. And that's the way He set it up, and that's the way it is. And that's all, folks. Come on, hello, somebody. Amen? It's like this. I've seen little phrases. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. I'm thinking, nah, that's pretty close. It's like this. God settles it. I mean, God said it. God settles it. That's it. Praise God. Amen. Whether you believe it or not. Praise God. Amen. Now, I saw a license plate the other day. God is my co-pilot. I said, you better switch seats. Praise God. Amen. You better switch seats. Let him drive. <laughs> let him drive. Let him drive the bus for once. You might be going somewhere instead of reverse. Amen. Yeah. So God wants to manifest Jesus to humanity and the to the world. Do you know? Out of the seven billion people today that are on the planet, there are still those who have never heard the name of Jesus. Absolutely. But there are of no excuse. Because the Bible says that within creation, he has showed forth his, the creator. Come on, hello, somebody. Yeah, they know him. They know him. They know that there's a creator. And if the Big Bang Theory was, and God said, then there you go. There's the Big Bang Theory, praise God. Amen. And God said, boom, let there be light. And there was light. That was a Big Bang but do you know your words are very creative too? The Bible says there's life and death in the power of our tongues. And maybe if we're not liking what we've been getting, we've got to start changing what we've been saying. Hello. I mean, I taught my sons. We never say we can't afford it. I'm hearing crickets in the background. Praise God. Well, we just can't afford that. Really? Oh, we're on a fixed income. Unfix it. Amen. Yeah. God wants you blessed, highly favored. If he says in his word, you're the head and not the tail, you're above and not beneath. If God is for you, who can be against you? The only thing you have to do is just believe it. Can you say amen? And maybe declare it out of your mouth. 
So God wants to come and he wants to manifest himself. Uh, he wants to make himself real, his presence to the world. And you know how he does that? He does it through you. You may be the only Jesus anybody ever sees. You're his mouthpiece. You're his eyes. You're his hands. You're his feet. Come on, hello, somebody. Why is that? Because he lives on the inside of you. And so what we have to do is we have to allow God's presence to rise up in, within us. So how do you get God's presence in your life? You've got to spend time with him. I mean, my wife and I, we've been married 33 and a half years. It'll be 34 years this coming December. But man, if I went away for 15 years and I never spoke to her, I never saw her, I, I'd be out of relationship with her. I mean, maybe even falling out of love with her. She may have met somebody else. I may have met somebody else. 15 years is a long time to be separated from somebody that you never talk to, never see. Well, it's the same relationship with God Almighty. We never talk to Him. We never read His Word. We never pray. We never go to church. We never seek Him. Hello, you're out of fellowship with Him. Then how can you increase His presence? You can't. You can't increase His presence. You've got to spend time with somebody. Amen. And God wants you to spend time with Him every morning. Come on, amen. I mean, most mornings I get up kind of early and I'll take Jesse, my dog, out and I'll walk out and, and I look up toward heaven and I see the moon and the stars and I just say, you know, you're absolutely amazing today. I just want to say thank you so much for protecting everybody today, protecting my family, protecting the church, protecting all my officers on their job sites. I plead the blood of Jesus. No weapon formed against them prospers. No incidences, no situations in the name of Jesus. Satan, you're under our feet. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it no matter what comes my way way that's what i do i'll go out there and then there are times that i feel depressed can you believe it the preacher get depressed sometimes do i do i normally look like a depressed person no but sometimes that comes on me and then i gotta stir myself up because i know this the bible says put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness sometimes you just gotta put it on that's the that's the only time you have permission to put it on praise god amen when you're feeling low when you're feeling down you feel like you want to quit Anybody ever feel like that besides me? Like, could the rapture happen now? Praise God. Mortgage is due tomorrow. Praise God. Could it happen now? Oh, my gosh. Amen. I wonder what Satan would do if there were no people on the planet. Maybe torment his own demons, probably. You know what I think? Come on, hello, somebody. Amen. Now, man, things are about to change. I'm just telling you. They are about to change. As society gets worse and worse and worse, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ will be more glorious, more victorious. Can you say amen? Why? Because he's coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or blemish. So as the world gets worse and worse and worse, God's grace is greater and greater and greater. Can you say amen? Yeah. In the book of Acts, chapter 10, verse 38, it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Amen. So we have a responsibility to be Jesus to a hurting humanity. Like I said, you may be the only Jesus. He wants to come and increase himself within, with people. And we have to tell them. It's called the Great Commission. Mark 16, 15. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they will cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. If they drink anything deadly, will not hurt them. They will deal with serpents and scorpions. Come on now. And verse 21 says, In the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs and wonders following. Amen. So he's working with you. Hebrews says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He will never forget who you are. He is the creation. You are the creator. And here's cool. So this is way cool what I'm about to say. 
You never really die. You just transfer locations. You will live forever. You're going to live forever. So like right, right on the, we're on the, almost on the verge of the rapture taking place, and we're right on the verge of one of the greatest revivals that will ever take place in history. There will be a seven-year tribulation period. After the end of the seven-year tribulation period, Jesus will come back with the saints that were raptured. He will set up a, his kingdom in Jerusalem. We will reign and rule for 1,000 years. Satan will be locked up thrown into the pit of hell for 1,000 years. You think you're old at 80. (laughs) Methuselah will have nothing on you. Because Methuselah was like 900 and how was it? 900 and somebody help me. 969. You're going to beat out Methuselah. And you won't look it like a shriveled up prune. In the Sunday, on a Sunday afternoon in the sun. You won't look like that. You'll look young. And then when that thousand years is up, guess what happens? Satan will be loose to tempt those inhabitants that made it through and procreated and all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden there'll be the great white judgment, throne judgment. And then there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And then you'll live for another thousand years. And when that thousand years is up, guess what? You'll live for another thousand. And when that thousand years is up, we've got good news. You'll live for another thousand and thousands upon thousands upon thousands. And when that's gone, it'll be thousands upon thousands. You mean I'm never going to die? No! You're a spirit being. You're never going to die! But here's the key. What you do in this life will count for the life to come. How you live in this life well, how you live in the life to come. And what is this life but a vapor? We've been promised 120 years. The average is about 80, maybe 90. What is 80 to 90 years of living a victorious life by the blood of Jesus, which was paid at the cross, compared to thousands and hundreds of thousands of years the way you'll live? That'll make you run through a troop and jump over a wall. Or jump over the troop and run through the wall. It depends on who you are. Praise God. Amen. Depends on who you are. The second thing that really God wants to do is he wants to increase his presence in you. He wants to increase his presence through to others. But another thing he wants to do, he wants to increase his presence inside you. And what does that mean? There's a personal sacrifice we have to make. What is that? Self-preservation. Most people will choose themselves over anybody else. Come on, hello, somebody. Amen. But no greater love than this, than one would lay his life down for others. I think I understand that, you know, the recent school shooting, there was a young man who actually attacked the shooter and he got shot so that others' lives could be saved. He's a hero. And the verse that came to me, no greater love than this. He laid his life down so that others, and I think he was going to go into the military and all that kind of stuff, and he was going to serve. 
You, you know, our military guys laid down their lives for us, our freedom. Oh, come on. You know, police officers are on the front line. Security officers are on the front line. EMS officers on the, come on. To lay, they, lay, they are, and actually some of them are commissioned to do it. You're commissioned to take a bullet for another. No greater honor. I said, no greater honor. If you served in the military or a security officer, police officer, please stand up right now. Please stand up. If you served in the military, police officer, let's give them a hand right now. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Now, we do have a reputation in this church. and don't want to mess with this church because a lot of these guys are packing. Praise God. Amen. And I, li- I like it that way. Amen. The more guns, the merrier. I believe, I believe in two things, God and Glocks. Praise God. Amen. I had one guy tell me, oh, brother, you're a pastor. You're, you're crossing the line. I said, really? Would you have said that to Peter? Oh, I don't think I, I'm, I'm. Peter was a concealed weapons permit holder. He had a sword. Hello, somebody. Amen. Come on now. Cut, cut one dude's ear off trying to attack Jesus. He tried to split him right down the middle. He just ducked. Right? <laughs> Wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove. There's other portions of Scripture. Jesus said, I'm going to send you out. Send the 70 out. Take no coat. Take no cloak. Just take a, you know, don't take anything with you. Whatever house you enter into, take no sword. Whatever house you enter, receive them, impart your blessing to them, and then when you come back. Then afterwards, Jesus said, as you go forth, and Peter said, hey, listen, there's two swords here. He said, that's sufficient. So he said, if you need to take your plowshare and turn it into a sword, do it, indicating that in the way in the future, you may have to protect yourself. Peter Cartwright had a six-shooter on his hip. He was a preacher during the days of John Wesley and Charles Finney. He was six foot one, carried a six-shooter on his hip, would walk into a bar, get this, walk into the bar with a whip. And he'd tell them, we're having church, it's Sunday morning, we're having church today. And he said, I don't see any of you all out there. So I got news for you. You either get to church or we're going to have to do business. My kind of preacher, I'll just tell you right now, I'm my kind of preacher. Smith Wigglesworth would punch people in the line. Did you know that? He ministered the fivefold ministry the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. All in one motion, quick, continuous, without prayer. Praise God, I'm just kidding, just kidding, I'm just kidding. No, he'd punch people in the line physically, boom, with all of his heart, all of his might. He punched one lady, and the lady turned, went back and punched him. <laughs> but, come to, but come to find out, she was healed of stomach cancer. Amen. And then he apologized to her. I mean, he, he, she apologized to him for, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, preach, you punched me in the line. I had to punch you back. Oh, by the way, I got healed from cancer. Oh, thank you, preach. Punch me anytime you want to. <laughs> That's a true story. It's a true story. So you have to let God work on the inside of you. His presence is there. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. God dwells in you. But you, here, you still have your mind, will, and emotions. You can decide to allow him to work in you. Or you can decide him not to. The only day, listen to me, the only day that God will actually override humanity 
will be the day that every knee will bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Whether they want to or not, there will be an unseen force. There will be an unseen force. Even Lucifer himself will fall on his knees and confess Jesus is Lord. Whether you're an atheist, agnostic, Satanist, Muslim, whatever. Believe you don't believe. That will be the day that every tongue will confess. Amen. Hallelujah. So you've got to let God work on the inside of you. You've got to spend time with him. Talk with him every day. He knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly where you live. I believe there's two ways that God does that. One, developing a prayer life. Prayer is simply talking to God. That's all it is. The way you talk to others, is you should talk to him that way. It's non-religious. Come on now. No, it's a relationship. If you're angry about a situation, don't blame God. It's not his fault. It's either in the enemy's fault or it's our fault. We made the decision. We made the decision to go that way. We made the decision that all of a sudden. Now, he'll get you out of those situations because of his grace and mercy. It's not always the enemy. The enemy. Satan is not omnipresent, folks. He's not everywhere. You could be having a situation that you're dealing with, and he's over somewhere in Africa tormenting somebody in Africa, and he wasn't even at your house. Come on, hello, somebody. It could be some of the decisions that we've made. You have to understand the decisions that we've made yesterday determine where we're at today, and the decisions that we make today will determine where we're at tomorrow. And Satan, listen, Satan is not like Flip Wilson. The devil made me do it. <laughs> That's not true. Come on, hello, somebody. If the, if the enemy is overcoming us, it's because we're not applying the word of God to the situation. We're not, we're not, we're not taking authority in the situation, which, which is by the blood of Jesus Christ. Come on now. Yeah, God is omnipresent. Satan is not. God's a creator. Satan is not. He's a copycat. He copycats everything. The Bible does say in the Old Testament, my people die for a lack of what? Knowledge. Yeah. So if we're failing in some areas, it's because either we have a lack of knowledge in it or we're not applying the knowledge that we have, or it could be the enemy. Come on now. Hello, somebody. I mean, the Bible talks about the Apostle Paul going from city to city, and he said there was given unto me a messenger of Satan. Hello, to buffet my body. Why is that? Because two things would happen with the Apostle Paul when he went into a city, either revival or riot. It's one or the other. He had a lot of conversions or he's being stoned. And I don't mean by the doobie either. I'm talking about rocks. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> doobie, doobie, doo. No. <laughs> Move to Colorado. You want to be with the doobies? Move to Colorado. Help us, Jesus. They're all converging to Colorado. Yeah, they're converging to Colorado, the Doobies. The Doobie brothers and sisters are converging to Colorado. Praise God. Amen. I feel the same way. I feel the same way. Oh, I guess I feel the same way, bud. Oh, the people in Colorado. Oh. Yeah. I feel the same way. You got to allow God to work on the inside of you. Your prayer should be, Lord, change me, rearrange me, make me the man, make me the woman you want to be. I don't want to be the same. Amen. 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 
You must increase. I must decrease. Wow. Hallelujah. I think ultimately what happens is this. As you begin to press into the presence of God, then God will begin to use you to help others. As you overcome the situations in your life and you get the victory, come on now, then you're able to help others who are actually going through the same things you're going through. You have to understand that the greater the work that God does in you, the greater the work He'll do through you. And sometimes it's that pressure. See, I think the enemy, one thing that he's kind of done is caused a lot of distractions in our life. Being so busy, just so busy. Our society in America is very, very busy. Come on, hello, somebody. Amen. I mean, I said this recently, you know, because sometimes what happens in a church, people will not serve. They'll check out of serving, and then they'll say something like this. Well, I'm just burned out. I'm burned out in church. I'm burned out in serving. But the truth is, they did too much during the week. Working and going out and working and going out, and really they got burned out during the week. Hello. And then when it comes to Sunday morning, they're too tired or whatever it is. And then they want to kind of like just place blame somewhere else. No, we have to have balance in our lives, folks. Come on, amen. Got to have balance. God likes balance. God likes, let's stay in the middle of the road. Let's not get in one ditch or the other ditch. Let's just stay in the middle of the road. And if you feel like you're getting in a ditch, get out of it. Praise God, amen, before you get stuck. Can you say amen? So allow God to work in you. We're going to need it in these last days. We're going to need an increase of his presence in our lives in these last days. It's going to get worse. The Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man comes. And we're approaching that with, with the homosexuality and adultery and fornication and stealing and murder and plunder. That's what happened during the days of Noah. And the Bible says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He kept proclaiming, rain's coming. And they're like, what? Because it never rained. Rain's coming. Rain's coming. What you building, man? I'm building a boat. What's a boat? Well, you have to stick around. Get yourself right. <laughs> get yourself right with God. Get yourself right with God. Rain's coming. The Bible says they were marrying and giving into marriage until the day they all entered the ark. And here's the deal. It was eight people that entered the ark. Seven is completion. Eight is the number of new beginnings. Yeah. So you're going to start hearing preachers. Rain's coming. What rain? Former in the latter rain. Former in the latter rain's coming. The rain is coming. The rain is coming. The rain is coming. Get some things right. The rain is coming. Get yourself in church. The rain is coming. Start reading your Bible. The rain is coming. Start getting closer to God. The rain is coming. The rain is coming. Woo! It's raining. It's raining. I guess we're going to have a real wet summer this, this summer go around. It's been raining. The rain of the Spirit of God. The pulling of your heart toward the things of God. Pulling toward truth. Pulling toward holiness. Pulling toward God. It's a wonderful thing to serve the Lord with all your heart. It is. He is a good daddy. And he's loving. And he's kind. And he's merciful. I think he's something like this. Love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. That's God. That's God Almighty. Let me say this one more time. And then we'll close with this. You know, as I was meditating on Lucifer, and God gave me a little bit more of a download, too, about this situation. What would, how in the world, Lucifer was the third cherubim. It was Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer that surrounded the throne of God. And I thought to myself, what did Lucifer see in God, with God, that he could actually think in his mind that he could raise his throne above God? And then, of course, the Lord spoke to me and he said, because he saw my love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, he thought that was a weakness. And then I got to meditating on it a little bit more. Watch this, watch this. Lucifer had a kingdom here on the earth. He, the Bible says in Ezekiel that he was created with pipes. When he walked, he made music. He was heaven's praise and worship leader. That's the reason why he had influence over one-third of the angels when he got kicked out. And then I got to thinking... So, therefore, he had a throne on the earth. Did you know that Satan had a throne on the earth? He did have a throne on the earth. And not only that, he was in charge of intercontinental commerce. So, he had power, financial power. And not only that, he would have people or angels or the whatever pre-Adamic race or whatever is underneath him. And he began to give commandments and people began to obey him. And then those angels, hello, actually he convinced them to think that they would have more power than God. And that Lucifer would rise up. So I'm getting like this major download over the last few days on how this whole thing came about with Lucifer thinking that he would. And then all of a sudden when he decided to raise his throne with the one-third of the angels. The Bible says in the book of John, chapter 10, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning, so he got the hell slapped out of him. Hello, somebody. And then suddenly, it became utohu bohu here on the earth. Total chaos broke out. Total chaos. And everything was destroyed here on the earth. And, and the Bible doesn't tell us how long that period it was, but there is something between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. The Bible says in the beginning was, you know, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. Doesn't mean that the earth wasn't here. It was without form and void. And then in verse 2 it says, And the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and the light light was. Which actually, that was 6,000 years ago. So the earth is billions of years old. It is, folks. It's billions of years old. Billions. We just don't know what kind of race or the pre-Adamic race or what kind of race prior to the human race. Those creatures were not created with blood either, and they weren't created in the image of God. We're the only ones that were created in the image of God. I'm, I'm not a you know, historian and all that. I know a little bit of eschatology. But I, just know, I don't know a whole lot of it. And the Bible just gives us bits and pieces can you say amen? amen? So, but here's the thing. We're about to wrap this dispensation up. It's coming to a close. And God is calling his own. You can feel the pull. That's good news. Because Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. Can you say amen? amen? Come on, stand to your feet if you would. Thank you for joining us this week. It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. 
Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net. Have a blessed week, and remember, the best is yet to come.